This podcast was created as a part of Podcast Lab by India Film Project in association with Anchor by Spotify. Hello everyone, I'm Chintan and welcome to Demystifying Day Zero, a show where we talk about stories, myths and misconceptions along the student's journey from campus to corporate. With today's episode, we kickstart proceedings for the new year and also start the second half of the first season. It indeed had to be special and it is special. Because the guest for today and the next episode is someone who is one of my favorite podcasters. I have been listening to his podcast for a lot of time and I'm sure most of my listeners also listen to him. If you've heard the name, The Origin of Things, he is the host of The Origin of Things, the creator, the mastermind behind this particular podcast and two others and a lot of other things which I'll give you a highlight about. But yes, today we have with us Deepak Gopalakrishnan or as he is fondly called as Chuck. He is on the show today with us to talk about two main questions. First, why does a person opt for an MBA? 2007 versus 2017. And this kind of made a lot of sense for me as well because he started his MBA journey in 2007 and I started in 2017. So I felt I could really talk to him, get to know his views and also share my views along with him. And the second clearing question that we'll be covering in our conversation is, is there an ideal career trajectory after an MBA? Jobs versus entrepreneurs versus freelancers. He has been in a position where he's covered all these three roles and I'm really excited to know his role. I'm sure there are lots of people who are really excited and are looking forward to this particular episode. Before we get into the conversation, here's a very brief but a very long background about Chuck. Guys, it's going to be long, so please hold on to something. He completed his chemical engineering from Thrissur, after which he joined Accenture for a year. During this time, he was getting his MBA journey started and he eventually joined Mica to pursue his MBA. During his MBA, he interned with Tata Steel at their Jamshedpur plant. I thought I'll include this fact because this is something that even I relate to. Even I interned with Tata Steel at their Jamshedpur plant. After his MBA, his first corporate stint was in a business development role in a small social media agency. After which, he became the planning director at Ogilvy, the AVP of digital planning at Indigo Consulting. And then he switched to a company that we are very familiar with, but for a different reason. We know it as the agency which manages a lot of stand-up comics, OML. So he became the creative strategist for OML, which eventually also started Insider.in. During this period, he had already completed around 10 years in the industry. And he felt this was the right time to take the leap of faith and shift to freelance. And eventually started Rough Paper Creative a two-people collective which helps startups and upcoming businesses with their brand strategies and their marketing. If this was not enough, Chuck is also a published content writer and he has been one for 13 years with articles in Array, The Hard Copy, Crick Info, Business Today, Pagal Guy, MTV, Nat Geo, Sports Kida, NH7, Sifi, CNBC and Huffington Post. I'm sure there are a couple of names that I might have missed or maybe he might have not mentioned on his LinkedIn because that has been the major source of my information. Now, if this was also not enough, he's also been a digital marketing instructor for almost eight years, having trained students, taken up sessions in top colleges such as the IIMs, MICA, NMIMSA. If this was also not enough, he is the host of not one, not two, but three podcasts, the Simplified Podcast, The Origin of Things that I mentioned earlier, and Getting Meta. Wow. This kind of feels like the profile of two, three students combined together. But trust me, it's just one person. I'm excited to know his journey. I'm excited to know how did he manage to do so many things, accomplish so many things in his journey. So let's get on a conversation with Chuck. So Chuck, I've tried to cover the what and most of the hows about your journey. But I am really interested to know the whys behind everything that you've done. So can you take us through your journey? Yeah, happy to. And keep in mind that a lot of the why is going to be post facto. It's not like, uh, you know, when you get into something, uh, you have a very clear idea of what's going to to happen. Um, To start from the beginning, I guess engineering was just one of those things that, you know, you just get into without thinking too much, really. So I really don't want to rationalize that too much because there's nothing much to rationalize over there but i think from there onwards things started becoming a little more clear as and when um you know as things progressed i still remember i think it was around 2000 2002 to 2006 was when i did my engineering 
And it's typically around the third semester that we all realize that we are not fit for engineering and what is it that we want to do in life. I always thought that engineering college was the best career guidance uh, uh, counselor in India because that's really when you figure out what you want to do in life. Absolutely. Yeah. For some reason, I fell in love with advertising. I'm, I'm not quite sure why. I think uh, I had stumbled upon this. There's this old magazine called A&M. Advertising and marketing. It was started by the same guy who runs AFAX today, Shrikant Kandekar. Um, lovely magazine. I stumbled upon it somehow. I have no idea why. And I just love the thought and thinking behind some of the uh, campaigns and stuff like that. So for me, it was a revelation that making these ads isn't just about creativity. It's also there's a certain level of thought that goes behind it. And from there, I organically discovered MICA, an institution that uh, MBA was nowhere in the horizon for me. I really wasn't too... Uh, I really wasn't thinking about an MBA or anything like that. But um, when MICA came up, that seemed like for the first time in my life, okay, I wanted to get into a particular institution. And I worked very hard for it. And then I realized, okay, it's the same cat journey that I need to go to uh, go through, which all my other friends are going to. But they were aiming for the IAMs and the SPJMs, obviously. So I was a bit of an outlier in the sense that I not only did I not want those institutes actively, but I was aiming for uh, just one institute. Um, I didn't get through on my first try for a number of reasons. I uh, corrected those mistakes uh, and I got through on my second try. That also, I guess, answers why Accenture. It's not like it was, uh, I mean, with all due respect to the place, lovely place to work. And I had a good time over there and lovely team and all that. Uh, but it was essentially a stopgap between uh, between college and what I wanted to do. Then I got into uh, MICA. And I mean, we can discuss more about that if you want a little later. But uh, basically, I was passionate enough about advertising to want to, uh, uh, to want to make a career out of it. MICA seemed to be the best place to get into the strategic side of things. And that's how that happened. Then as far as advertising itself is concerned, so uh, my dream really was to, and it's a very standard MICA dream, is to get into one of the big ad agencies, right? The Ogilvy's, Leo Burnett's, the Mudra's of the world. It was a very standard dream that we all have. Life had other plans in the form of the 2008 recession mainly. And we basically had to take anything that we could get. And uh, by a series of events, I ended up at the small social media agency. It wasn't a job that I got directly from MICA itself, but uh, that's a murky little story that I'd prefer to leave out from my own memory and from public consciousness altogether. But let's just say that six months after graduating from my I got into the small agency and it was a nice experience. I had a good time over there. It still is the place that I spent the most amount of time working in uh, anywhere. I spent about three years over there. Windchimes is the name of the place. A nice little agency. I had a good time uh, over there. I figured out what I was good at, what I wasn't good at, what I enjoyed, what I didn't enjoy. Again, you find all these, you start figuring out all these intersections as you go along, right? What is it that you are good at and you enjoy? And then what is it that you are not good at and you don't enjoy? You know, you start drawing all these Venn diagrams and everything, the fallout of being an MBA, I suppose. And uh, from there, I just was hungry to get into something bigger. And that's when Ogilvy happened. Very naturally from there, Leo Burnett happened. Uh, various levels of basically working on the strategy side of advertising and got in at a junior planning director role or something. I forget exactly what role I came in at, and I left in at a, I mean, there was, I mean, there was nothing extraordinary really that happened over there. I just moved up the ranks and then something very interesting happened. I, 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 I think six years in advertising had, was enough of a eye opener for me to know what the good sides and the bad sides of the industry were. And very long story short, let's just say that by about six years, I had enough of advertising. I had, I like, um, figured out uh, that while I was good at it, I wasn't really enjoying the whole process anymore. It was, I mean, um, I mean, that's a completely different talk show by itself, but there's a lot that's wrong with the world of advertising as well. And a lifeline came completely from left field, did not expect it at all. Uh, a friend from OML uh, who manages festivals like the NX7 Weekend or a lot of stand-up comedians, etc. He called and said, hey, listen, we have a marketing team over here. They're looking for somebody who can handle digital and comms, et cetera, for the festivals and a few other events, would you be interested in joining? Yes, obviously. 
Um, and so that happened. So uh, OML was interesting. So it wasn't really for the stand-up comedy side of things. It was more for the music festival side of things. So I was actually doing a lot of the comms for NX7 Weekend, a couple of the comedy festivals and and other things like that. And that was a completely different environment, uh, Chintan. That was like uh, fully, fully, uh, I mean, a lot of what I had learned uh, on the job prior to that didn't count for too much over here because this was a job where you basically you, you get your hands dirty right it right. doesn't stop at a ppt over here i mean you get into you literally if if water needs to be carried from the uh, from the uh, backstage to the artists and there is nobody else you do it no matter what level of seniority you are at um, so I did all kinds of things over there. So yes, I did make the PPTs and all that, but I also did lots of other random things, which I, you know, wasn't part of the formal job description, but just these things you do. Uh, we were falling short of budgets for photographers for one festival. I knew how to operate a DSLR and somehow I managed to convince my boss, let me go and shoot. <laughs> right? right. Uh, so she said, yeah, okay, fine. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, do that if it <laughs> saves us money. Uh, so, you know, I did that and... From OML, what happened was it was a very organic transition into what ended up being Paytm Insider. So long story short, Insider was basically OML's ticketing division, which oh. then got partially bought over by Paytm and then got fully bought over by Paytm. So that was a transition and I was part of that transition, at least just before it got sold over to Paytm completely. Oh, wow. um, again, yeah, so, so that's what, so I didn't change companies as much as just transitioned inside the company itself. So um, I, again, did a lot of things over there. It was all the goods and bads of a growing company that was just trying to figure out, you know, its own positioning, its own sort of place in the world. And <clears throat> did a lot of things over there. Some things I'm proud of, some things that uh, looking back, I didn't need to do in the sense that they didn't need somebody with, I mean, I don't, I try not to have too many pretensions about myself, but they didn't need somebody at my level doing that. And I think everyone realized that over a period of time. And uh, finally, in 2018, I I decided to put down my papers and uh, took the leap into freelance, which I still think is the best professional decision I ever made for myself. And yeah, uh, 2019 onwards, uh, it's been pretty much um, it's been pretty much freelancing uh, in digital marketing, content, a uh, whole lot of other things. Being freelance, you have the freedom to experiment with a lot of things. Uh, so yeah, that's how it's been. Couldn't be happier. Set your own times, figure out which clients you want to work with. You're you're responsible for pretty much everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have nobody nobody right. to blame. And yeah, that's what it's been fairly fulfilling. So even though a few mistakes have happened along the way, uh, I don't regret any of them because I think every one of those decisions has some role to play somewhere down the line. So that's the formal employment part of things. Uh, happy to talk about the other things as well if you want, but I'm guessing we can do that later as well, like all the freelance stuff and the podcast and all that. So yeah, that's yeah. Like that's the LinkedIn part of things. <laughs> yeah, it's been an amazing journey because the entire time when I was researching, there was always something new that I would come across every time mm. I'm looking at something different. So if it was LinkedIn, there's something different. Like that is the backbone of the entire journey. Yeah. But then you go to certain articles, you go to certain websites, you find certain things and there's always something new. So let's take it chronologically. Let's take it from yeah. the first step. So from what I understand, your journey has been something similar to what an engineer goes through because just like you even I'm an engineer who went into an engineering college just to figure out your life yeah. and yeah. something somewhere down the line MBA was a plan but it was not an immediate plan like right after engineering but then you realize that you're not a technical person and you need to jump ships immediately yeah so you get into an MBA and then eventually five six years down the corporate chain you realize that okay I need to like again look for something different and which came for you in terms of the work at OML. Yeah. And eventually, like for me being a guru, it's kind of been like, okay, <laughs> I have to be my own boss. I have to have autonomy over the work. And that somewhere eventually led you to the freelance. Whole uh, freelance world, yeah. Well. yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the first part, which is right after engineering. So what sure. was immediately going in your mind during that time? He, so yeah, you got introduced to advertising, you were very excited about it. So at that time, as an engineer, because let's understand when we get into engineering, our parents obviously have the response, uh, the expectations, we are 
you'll get a good job and then you'll maybe start working somewhere and then make your career choice mm. so at that time what was your thinking tr mba immediately let's opt for an mba immediately or let's wait like what was your mindset at that time yeah a uh, good question actually so um yeah, I, uh, there's always this perpetual debate right like should you have work experience before you get into an mba and i'm guessing that's really what the crux of your question yeah. uh, uh, your question was so i had researched enough and i was and i still am of the school of thought that uh, a little work experience before you get into an mba is always a good thing uh, at least i i uh, i sincerely uh believe that especially after having done an mba and having seen my batchmates for example not saying that it's impossible to do it the other way but it's just that i think you get a lot more value per rupee if you actually have a little bit of uh, corporate experience before you get into an uh, get into an mba that being said uh, i will counter my own belief by saying uh, by saying this i knew that what i wanted was so totally different from what i was doing right now that if i the only work experience that would justify uh getting into i mean uh, that uh, you know uh, having some work experience before getting into what i wanted which was micah would be working in an ad agency properly right and that i think there was a there was this juncture so i told you i didn't get in uh, in the first go right i didn't get through micah in the first go and to some extent i mean obviously i was distraught like because i was slogging for 2 years to get into that particular institute uh and you know that came crashing down probably because i had a very bad uh, g a group exercise uh, is the mica equivalent of a group discussion right. uh, gd mica tries to be hipster that way by changing <laughs> uh, one letter um but i think at some level it was also a little bit of relief i must admit because i think i was just going with the flow completely i think that one year really helped me assess okay what do i want out of life what are the things that are lacking what are the things i should be better and i think i was just better prepared the second time around ironically my second cat percentile was lower than the first time but uh, here's the other great thing because i knew i was getting in i i wanted mica only i was aiming for 95 percentile that's all i wanted right, right? it took a lot of stress off me uh because everybody else was obviously aiming for 98 99 because they wanted the iims spj and mdis etc for me it would have been a very weird case of if i had a 98 i would have got a call from say an mdi and a uh, mica but i would have ended up choosing that because i knew very clearly what i wanted uh, out of it now it, it might have been a foolish decision uh, uh, to think of it that way but it helped bring a lot of clarity to my own, uh, uh, to my own head so uh there was a point of time chintan after i had got rejected from mica and had the accenture job offer in hand because i want i didn't want to be unemployed but i very seriously considered for a while whether i should given the fact that i would be trying for mica again whether i should be going to an ad agency for example which would have relevant work experience right. and i think that's the one thing professionally that i regret i think that's the one thing that i feel i should have done i find it very hard uh, just like how i'm finding it hard to justify it in this interview <laughs> right now to justify it to myself i'm like hey, maybe i shouldn't have done that one year of an it job maybe i should have actually gone and worked in an ad agency now i don't know why uh at that point of time i didn't maybe it was uh the difficulty of finding one maybe it was everything was happening with such speed that okay uh, uh after engineering college final exams get on to a train get to chennai and start your uh it, it was pretty much you know one after the other it right. wasn't like there was too much breathing time between all that was it because of the low pay accenture was paying me 15000 bucks a month and these and an ad agency famously low payers would be paying somebody with zero relevant experience maybe 5000 6000 a month maybe that was weighing on my mind all told i find it very hard to justify that one year but i don't regret uh, that as such because i think accenture was good for me uh, all i'm trying to say is that little period was a little confusing for me so there wasn't uh, you know a, 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 that uh, but what it did do is it gave me a lot of time that one year where i was working in an it company i think it had gave me a lot of clarity in terms of strengthening my own knowledge of the world knowledge of advertising knowledge of myself if i may sound a little philosophical about it and i think i was just honestly better prepared when mica came about the second time there was a sense of complete calm during the interview i feel like i don't want to say like i aced it or something but i felt like higher like this time i i i got this you kind of knew that it was a better attempt 
yeah it was a better attempt it just felt like overall better attempt it wasn't like i was flailing around trying to you know stay keep my head above <laughs> the surface it just felt like i've got this so maybe in that sense that one year was good so i think all these thoughts put together uh, it was a fairly confused time to be very honest uh, but i think overall uh, good came out of it and i knew that this is what i was going to get into right um, now Uh, another question i often ask myself is what if i didn't get through on the second attempt uh, would i would i try for a third time or would that be overkill uh, if that was a the case then I, i hadn't had that charted out as perfect uh, as well um, would i continue in accenture because that's a career path that's anyway going to lead to you know i mean it's a straightforward thing i knew how to master a game that system is it at the end of the day but it wasn't something i necessarily enjoyed nor saw myself in uh maybe then i would have taken a step back and actually gone to and uh, gone to the agency world while i still could i know that it's very difficult to get out of something once you spend like 3 4 years in okay. especially something like advertising which in pretty much you start from ground zero so maybe that's what i would have done thankfully i didn't need to do any of that because uh, uh i did uh, get the offer letter from them so I don't know if I ended up answering your question. It's just a a lot of rewind to that uh, very confused time in Chennai for a year, uh, where I tried a lot of things. It was also a fun time because it was the first time I actually got out to a big city, uh, and because most of my childhood was spent in the Gulf, which was a bar in very small, a uh, very small place, and a uh, couple of, like uh, Thrissur, where I did my engineering, was a very very small town. Uh, I mean, I had some amenities and stuff like that, but. Uh, a uh, hardly like a uh, hardly a metro in that sense so chennai was the first time i was introduced to a lot of things that is where my love for live music really started when i saw a lot of the great indian bands coming and performing at all the colleges over there stuff right. like that so i think i think just from a i world eye opening point of view that one year in chennai was very important for me even if professionally it wasn't very important for me so i hope i answered your question i'm not quite sure i rambled off of the place a little no, bit no you actually answered but you also helped me out by setting the premise for the main topic for today which is okay uh, so basically i just wanted to discuss that why does a person do an mba where mm-hmm. i wanted to discuss between the mentality of students in 2007 versus okay. 2017 So you okay. kind of set the perfect premise for it. Uh, like you mentioned that you were in a stage where you were confused. Yeah, cha. Like this is what I have at have in hand right now. I have a job right yeah. now, and I have to give another attempt for my career. I kind of found yeah. myself in a similar situation. Just the difference being that while I was in my third year, I was chasing that one unfulfilled dream. Yeah, I want to get into an IIT. So I was preparing mm-hmm. for my MTech for the gate exam, but eventually I realized I'm better off. being away from technical so i switched <laughs> okay. lanes immediately and i started preparing for my mba entrances mm, and eventually i ended up taking up a break in between so i didn't take up a job uh, got it got it you know i think um, and this i uh, i don't know if i'm again post facto rationalizing this a lot i wanted to take a decision that i could justify to myself in some way so uh right from the beginning i knew that i didn't want a general mba because i i know myself enough to know that i am not going to work hard enough to get into an iim and i wouldn't want to settle for something else you know if if, right. if that makes sense with all due respect to the many other great b schools uh, out there uh, i didn't want to go to uh, like spj in an interview and when they asked that question why why are you coming to sp i don't want to fluff up the answer saying oh because you guys have a great legacy stick face it yeah everyone who comes for an spj in interviews either either they are from bombay and they are too lazy to move <laughs> or they didn't make it through to the iim so let's face right. it right Absolutely. i didn't want to put myself yeah i didn't want to put myself in a situation where i have to fluff like that you know so for me i wanted to go somewhere where it would be i i'd be very clear as to why i'm going over there if that you know if that makes sense i didn't want to go to some i did that once i did that for one interview <clears throat> before accenture which i fluffed up completely uh, and i didn't want to do that again i didn't want to be in a position where i was uh, not being honest to myself uh, or myself in some sense um and i guess that was one of the reasons why i wanted to uh, i i tried very hard to get into you know this particular place because i had no backup plan really uh you know it was this or nothing in terms of right. institutes anyway and i think that's something that continued later in life and i think that little bit of a mentality has helped me out uh, helped me out a little bit that little bit of uh, 
accidental focus i want to uh, i want to call it even chemical engineering for that matter was that way it's not the first choice chemical engineering was my first choice weirdly enough it's hardly the first choice for any aspirant i had a decent rank in kerala uh, and m- most people with my rank would have probably taken up a say a mechanical or an electrical i think that's uh, that would be what my rank would have got at that point of time uh and even the uh, admissions person like we all go to one place in trivandrum right. and with the ranks process. yeah yeah the centralized process counseling or something it's called yeah. um and uh i i told them first option is chemical engineering and it's like and that's your first option <laughs> yeah sure, chemical engineering why not i i somehow got it in my head because i enjoyed chemistry in 11th and 12th uh my reasoning at that point of time was uh i will go back to the gulf and work on an oil field oil field equal to chemical this was the rationaling <laughs> rationalizing in my head uh. it's not like i had uh, any plans of doing this or anything like that in hindsight if in hindsight all this is in hindsight if i had the chance to actually choose i would have chosen civil engineering because i feel that that's the one thing that's actually like useful branch of engineering which i might have enjoyed or i might have done bsc economics because over the years i have come to like the world of economics not finance economics uh, and all the macro and micro things about it more and more uh, but then that would have meant a career in economics which i'm not sure i might have enjoyed so i guess overall it worked out in the end um, i think all this is a roundabout way of saying that one i had a certain sense of focus and when i knew i wanted something i would work towards it and two um i think i think everyone listeners of this podcast you me anybody else i think a lot of things happen to us and we stumble in and out of things i think at every point of time i think is very important as some things we will be able to control something we will not be able to control as a way life is but i think it's very important to have a sense of where you are at every point of time right like am i enjoying what i'm doing right now or am i getting enough something out of this particular job now that something right. could be satisfaction that's it could just be money fair enough if you're not enjoying a job but is giving you a crap ton of money so that you can retire 10 years later then shut up and do the job right so whatever <laughs> as as long as something you're getting out of everything i think most people who get stuck they get this sudden they wake up one day and realize they don't have any of these things or the things that matter to them is in total imbalance so i think that's one broad piece of advice i would give very early up in this show itself which is just have a sense of where you are and whether what you're doing right now is fulfilling your life goals etc if you don't have life goals then please take a weekend off or a week off and think about them because uh, stepping away from what the day to day things that are happening and just having that little bit of perspective really really helps Right. Sorry, I think I deviated a lot. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, that's fine because we're engineers. An advertising person on the show. <laughs> This is what happens when you get an advertising person on the show. We find it very hard to stick to. <laughs> no, that's fine like because eventually we are engineers. We can bring about the point we back to what we are talking. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So what you said actually uh, brings me to two very important points or the mentality thing that you mentioned. So the first men- yeah. point is where you mentioned that. uh the people these days kind of lack that focus because in my journey i have met very few people be it engineering or be it mba where uh-huh. they knew absolutely what they wanted to do or the company that they wanted to talk about so i know one person uh-huh. who was in my senior batch who right from the first day that he joined jbms he knew uh-huh. that he wanted to join hcl he prepared okay. for it he got there for his summers he cleared the ppo round and he got a ppo and there were or there were a few others who were like ha i want to kind of get into marketing but and i'm guilty about that as well because i went into thinking ki yaar i'm inclined towards finance but i eventually sure. ended up graduating in marketing and mm-hmm. i absolutely love that so the whole point is that we are not aware like it's ironical because the number of resources that we have available we should yeah. actually be well informed but there are many people who do not research enough about it so one point is that and the second point about the work experience that you mentioned so you were at that point where you had to choose ki should i go for an uh, it job or should i have waited and maybe got yeah. gotten a job in an agency so in one of the previous episodes where we discussed about work experience only the guest said that if you know that eventually you want to get into a particular field you can opt for an experience in the relevant field but mm. if you're not really sure which is the problem with most of us today you can get a job which you can eventually align because yeah. mba is also about storytelling so you should be able to yeah. weave all the dots you should yeah. weave a story around those dots 
That's true, yeah. So, uh, with respect to these two things, uh, what do you think that people should actually do one during the MBA? Because many people are getting mm. in an MBA uninformed or maybe yeah. indecisive. I yeah. want to opt for this, I want to opt for that. So, yeah. Yeah. how can people get over this confusion? Okay, uh, so great question. And uh, by the way, uh, the previous guest, whatever he said, was exactly right. If I was sitting for an interview right now and somebody were to ask me for that, okay, that one year of Accenture or something, pretty sure I'd be able to fluff my way around <laughs> it and, and rationalize it and rationalize it in uh, some way. And interestingly enough, uh, I will counter another thing that uh, uh, that he or she uh, said which is uh, I was so sure that I would be getting into advertising as a career post Mica that during my internship, I wanted to go to the place that was furthest away from advertising just to get another <laughs> experience completely, which is why I decided to take up corporate communications in Tata Steel Jamshedpur. Uh, again, had a good time over there, no complaining at all. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was so sure that I would want to get into <laughs> one career that I thought, anyway, you're going to spend your life doing that. Why do you want to do an internship in that also? Uh, right. So I decided to do the other way. So it, I guess it can kind of work both ways as long as you can rationalize it in your own head and uh, into the, in the next interview. As I long guess as you're able fine. to justify it, basically. Yeah, as long as you're able to justify it, one to yourself and two to the next interview. I think it, that order is important. Okay, so... For people who are looking to do an MBA, right, I think it's very important to have some sense of why, right, why they're looking to do it. And for form aside, right, the form will ask it and we have a standard response that we will write over there. Forget that form for now. Just assume that you are drunk and talking to yourself or your best <laughs> friend and trying to justify it, right? I think it's very important to do that because looking at an MBA as an exit option from your current shitty job or your current banal life, I don't think that's a good enough reason because it's not like an MBA is a ticket out of any of those. In fact, I would say that the stresses that come post MBA are even more, right? Uh, you will, uh, the responsibilities will be a lot more. It's not like MBA. I, I, I think th there's also this over glamorification of an MBA that's happening. Right. Uh, always feel that if you get into any MBA whatsoever, suddenly you are in the uh, top tier of management earning crores a year and you're going to be driving around in Jags and uh, taking uh, business class flights around the world. This is hardly the case. Right. It's a lot of donkey work, even from the even from the best institutes, even from the IAMs. I'm pretty sure that most of the jobs start off with rolling your sleeves up and getting your hands dirty. At least that's the way it should be also, I think. So one if that's the image that's there in anyone's head, please clear it off. If that's a lifestyle that you're after, then again, I'm not quite convinced that an I, that uh, MBA is necessarily even the best way best way to get there. Uh, I think it's clear. I think it's important to have some sense of why you want to do an MBA. Is it is it for the money? Is it for like in the case of your uh, your uh, batchmate? Is it because they want to get into a particular institute? Is it because like in my case, I want to go into a particular career? Is it because of, uh, the, is it because of, um, um, you know, it could be anything else, but I think it's, there should be some reason for a person to want to do an MBA, uh, to want to do an MBA. And the reason I say this is because looking at an MBA as an exit option is probably a bad idea because then you are looking for an exit option and the MBA is one of the exit options. And it's probably a very shitty exit option if you're looking to get away from a bad job, right? Um, you can get to another job or you could try another career. You don't necessarily need to get into an MBA that's going to take two years and 20 lakhs of your life in order to, you know, uh, escape from that one particular job. You'll probably get into somewhere that's even worse, uh, for example. Um, so I think that I think that why MBA is very important. Forget what the form says. Forget that templatized response that time or IMS will ask you to write. Justify it to yourself. I think that is extremely important. Be honest to yourself as to why you want to do it. Be prepared for the fact that what you actually want might not be satisfied satisfied by an MBA. And I think this is something that's very important. Don't try to justify an end goal. Right. Uh, uh, you're over here. You want to be over here for some reason. And now don't try to justify the path in the middle. Right. right. This is not a this is not a uh, engineering exam. Um, 
if it turns out that you want to actually go somewhere else to an mba might not support or anything else for that matter might not give you then take that other path and i think that's a braver call to take and i think uh, that's a more difficult thing to do i'm not saying it's a easy thing to do at all it might it is the more difficult thing to do for some people it might be starting up something for some people it might be freelancing for some people it might be hey instead of mba in finance actually doing gate and getting into uh, uh, getting an mtech and further a phd from there for some people it could be teaching whatever the case may be i think it's very important to Uh, i i think all these things right like mba new job etc they're just stop gaps they're just another conduit but what is it that you want to do in life what is it that you eventually want to do if you break it down uh, nobody wants like a career in finance as such i think that's a very short term goal i think people need right. to if anyone has a goal like that or i want to get into an iim right i think this is something i realized early on as well right when people are saying oh my dream is to get into an iim like okay but then what that. because a lot of a lot of shit can go wrong from there it's not like and it does it's not like it and it does it absolutely does and i think this was an eye opener for me when i got into quote unquote my dream institute and i saw not everybody over there was happy right i realized that myself i was getting disillusioned with some parts of what my dream was right so i think having this very rational sense of what your dream might be giving you your dream now could be a particular institute it could be a particular career it could be a particular company it could be starting up something these are just destiny these are just like these are the steps along the way what is it that you want larger in life I, again i know is this all sounds a little philosophical and maybe to a 20 year old listening to this uh what like what is a boomer talking about like obviously getting into x college is a big dream etc that yeah but what post that right uh, because it's quite unlikely that you're going to retire just getting into an iim or iit or whatever the case may be i think it's a little more imp- i think it's more important to have a sense of what you want to do in life what gives you satisfaction etc these are not answers that come easily these are not answers that um you will figure out easily you probably need to do the rough and tumble of corporate life for about 10 years before you figure out what it is that you want i'll tell you when this moment came to me if it helps anyone um i was also along this path okay maybe the aim of all life is to you know just make as much money as you can or whatever the case maybe and i was feeling constantly disillusioned with the fact that i was in an agency making lower money than my own batchmates let alone my friends who had gone to an iim or another general mba and um uh, I remember reading a newspaper article where uh, this is the startup boom time the uh, that 2014 15 16 wala era that time when the first infusion of vc uh, capital into a lot of firms right there were lots of startups coming up yeah lots of startups were coming up over time unicorns were damn rare at that point of time uh, and astronomical salaries were being handed out for the first time you know in a non mba context right. and i remember uh, and i remember uh, some article had come where uh, some ve- uh, some very bright young uh, i think 26 27 year old kid was made some vp of marketing at flipkart or something like that the article itself was extremely congratulatory but my visceral reaction was like oh shit poor guy man like he like and i realized that at that point of time like okay so very clearly for me it's not about the designation or the prestige of a such a great job it's like i'm putting myself in the shoes of that person thinking yeah it's a great responsibility great role and all that i'm sure but what is it that comes along with it if it's a 2 crore package uh, that he is going to get then they are going to extract at least 4 5 crores worth of work from him at what is that four, thing just imagine yeah at least 4 5 right <laughs> and just imagine all the headaches that is going to have in terms of targets and all that and you know the more i started thinking about that idea okay maybe for me then it's not really money that's important and i think that played on my mind enough for me to realize okay for me what's important is independence i'm happy sacrificing x percentage of my salary if it means a little more independence in life and stuff like that and honestly thinking like that was what led me towards uh, 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 towards uh, taking freelance so i think all these little pieces of gyan put together right i think um, it basically boils down to this have some sense of clarity in your own head if not the interview form right in because interview form can still be fluffed and you can put on a face to justify that etc but be clear yourself as to why you are getting into not just an mba but any role like if you if any of you are in a 
a role that you don't enjoy for example right if you're in a job that you don't enjoy we always we will always feel this oh the next job i will get there and i will show revenge on this company where i am at right now <laughs> no that's not because then you know the uh, you're taking a new job to escape a bad job but who is to say that the new job won't be as bad as this right, right? uh the uh, the the pull of a new job needs to be more than the push from the bad job if that makes right. sense uh, that's something i've always thought about which is why like when i wanted to quit insider um i didn't i uh, there was no place the, the push was there <laughs> the push was definitely there right uh, but i couldn't find something where the pull was strong for me like i didn't want to go back to an agency i didn't want to go out to the client side of things i didn't there was nothing that excited me enough for me to want to leave right uh, only freelance seemed to be a compelling option for me that one thing the pull was more than the push so that's why i decided to do that so i think every stage just try to justify it to yourself and i think that's a very difficult thing to do i think a lot of us have a lot of uh, i think the biggest problem especially at that vulnerable age when people are thinking about mba they're trying to justify the end to themselves uh to and be that's honest, a mistake yes. to be honest yeah yes, be a, yeah be yeah exactly be a little honest to yourself fair enough go for an mba if you are convinced that at least your medium term goals are going to be uh, uh, uh taken care of because but be honest to yourself even if you are not being honest in the interview form because then you at least know from what angle to fluff right so i you know i think that's a very important thing to uh, that's a very important thing to keep in mind because you will also treat your mba that way and i will again uh, this is another important thing to say i think everybody will take different lessons out from their mba and i don't mean the classes right class of education is the journey the basically is the journey in those two years right how much you utilize the resources of the university or the college whatever it is how much you utilize the ba- see everybody has different takeaways from an mba some people go there and become academically brilliant some people go there and build a network that they can tap for 20 years even if they were academically very poor in that institute some people maybe decide that some people have that uh, that realization that you have during engineering only in their mba and they decide education itself in this format or marketing or whatever is not worth it i'm going to go for a different career path and that has happened i've had some batchmates who have gone on and become uh, gone on to the creative side of things completely i've got i've had friends who have been entrepreneurs and all that uh, so i think uh, uh, you know everybody takes out different things from their mba but the clearer you are at least in your own head going into anything that you're doing i think the more you'll be able to get out from that particular experience um, so yeah i think that's uh, the advice i would have for anyone getting into mba and i'm guessing this that answer also gives you an answer for uh, a, a for subsequent questions like this in terms of job mm-hmm. hopping and things like that yeah it does because like from the list of questions that i have constantly <laughs> have to keep cutting questions okay this i'm sorry <laughs> but that's fine because eventually the in- intention of this particular episode is to highlight those mistakes or highlight those yeah. basically dilemmas that students come across so yeah so from your answer basically one point that basically jumps out to me so as you mentioned that and this is also a personal experience so i've seen my yeah. uncles up for an mba which was basically in the period from 2000 to 2010 and okay. in that period uh, for people opting for an mba while the society looked at is looked at it in a way ki okay my god these people are opting for an mba <laughs> and today is like ha theek hai na matlab you're just doing an mba like every top yeah, they can yeah, yeah. doing an mba so yeah, yeah. the point where like can we say that it's kind of a tipping point which had eventually come for engineering about let's say 5 or 7 years back where people were opting for an engineering to figure out what to do now people are going for an mba because everyone's doing it so now <laughs> do we need something about that or is it a t- tipping point basically oh uh, that's a good question i'm not quite sure if i have an answer for that so here's here's what i'll say and i think i might slightly contradict something that you were hypothesizing a little while back i actually think that this generation by which i mean you know the your generation of uh, uh, people who are giving cat in this decade or say the last 5 6 years i think they are actually a lot more sorted in terms of what they want to do with respect to life uh, than my batch uh, than uh, than say at the time when i gave cat i think when i was giving it there still the sense of okay let's go with the flow uh, 
uh, this, uh, you know, go with the flow sort of thing. I think these days, because of a number of reasons, I think because there's more information out there, I think because uh, uh, there are more people like us in uh, who have made mistakes or have had experiences which are able to communicate down to uh, down to others. Uh, I think also because there are a lot more career options that have just presented right. themselves, right? Um, even if you look on the creative side of things, uh, if, for example, if I didn't get into Micah the first time, the only other option I had really was to get into an advertising agency as such. But right now, if you look at the number of creative fields that there are, that have, that have just sprung up, opened up, be it from video production agencies, be it um, on the comedy, uh, the OML kind of things, uh, you know, there is just so much that uh, there are just so many different career paths that are possible. And I think youngsters are aware of this to some extent, uh, of all these opportunities that there are. So my guess is that people of this generation are actually more aware in terms of what they want to do uh, with respect to the career. And plus, of course, the elephant in the room, which you have to talk about, is the astronomical cost of doing an MBA right now. Yes. Right? Back then, when I did an MBA, uh, and Micah was considered expensive back then, uh, I believe my fees were about 7.5 lakhs for the two years. <clears throat> uh, and <clears throat> sorry, and an IAM or so would have been about 4.5 to 5 or something of that sort. I think that was the fees over there. But right now you're looking, you, you're not looking at anything south of 15 lakhs, if I'm not mistaken for those. IAMs uh, are basically yeah. 20, 20 to 22 is pretty much. There, there you have it. Yeah, there, there you have it. And if the government subsidized colleges are that, we just imagine the state of private uh, institutions, right? So, I'm guessing FMS is still the holdout. <laughs> still yeah, giving MBAs FMS for, is the best for yeah, your return on yeah, investment. For value, for return investment, absolutely. But yeah, that one outlier aside. Um, so that's the thing, right? I think when all these things are put together, you have a youngster who, unless they are very keen on a certain kind of corporate life, um, when they look at just the cost of an MBA, uh, and then they think, um, okay, I uh, the, okay. Uh, can I get to that position without an MBA? And Absolutely. then the other thing is you're also seeing success stories. And again, I must admit, this must be a bias because I work primarily in the field of marketing. So can't say that this holds true for finance and HR, especially for finance, where I'm sure the role of an MBA is a lot more uh, uh, respected and mandated. You see a lot of CMOs or a lot of age, see people who are senior in an agency who don't have an MBA. In fact, I would say that when I was working at Ogilvy and Leo Burnett, I must have been one of the like 5% of people in the agency who had an MBA. Even other people who were strategists, planners as we are called, they don't come from an MBA background necessarily. Right. Uh, right? Uh, and it's not like it had given us that much of an edge vis-a-vis -vis everybody else as well. So I think... As, at least on the marketing and creative side of things, it's uh, the MBA is not as idealized as uh, it was at one point of time. <clears throat> at least that's my theory. And I also, I, I genuinely have a lot of respect for people who are younger than me. Because I just think they're a lot more uh, sorted with respect to how they're thinking and um, with respect to what they want to do in life sometimes. So... I would actually go against what you were saying, I, but I'm but I'm fascinated. But I'm I, I'd love to know what your thoughts and experiences are actually on that. Yeah. So, like, yes, to a certain extent, our generation right now is sorted mainly because of the resources available as well mm -hmm. as the success stories that they like, like that we've read. So yeah. for us, it's like okay, if we want to reach that step, we have to follow a certain path. So. Yeah. At the cost of maybe sounding a bit, to sound a bit bold, the thing is that, as you mentioned, there are lots of options. But yeah. today, if we want to reach those options, MBA is not mandatory. But then yeah. people are just doing it because they've sort of joined in a rat race where it's more about yeah. the peers as compared to what you yeah. actually want. Yeah. So yeah. that might maybe sound that people are sorted, but it's actually not because they are just following herd mentality to a certain extent. Obviously, there are going to be outliers to this. There are lots of people who mm. are doing it with a very clear focus. But there are yeah. many people, and since I'm also in the same field where I'm mentoring students, there are lots of people yeah. who stumble at the first question, which is why MBA? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just giving an example, a couple of days back, I was talking to a student and we were discussing about why MBA. So his entire answer was 
revolved around helping his family business grow, which could have easily been done by just doing a marketing course. Sure. But then his idea was, if I have to take this to the next step, I need an MBA. Sure. So with lots of resources, there is also that lack of clarity in people's yeah, mind that yeah. what do I need to get to that particular step. Mm-hmm. So I guess one thing that is happening is we might seem that we are sorted, but at the same time, we are con- equally confused. Equally confused. Because <laughs> so- we have too many options. Because we have too many options, fair enough, yeah. And in a sea of too many options, it might seem like a, a MBA or engineering or whatever is the uh, is a safe is the safe yeah, way. Because everyone's doing it. Yeah, because MBA everyone's doing it. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and I also might be slightly biased because I have worked with a lot of very opinionated, smart, <laughs> sharp uh, people. So uh, I must be completely biased by uh, their experiences and their way of uh, thinking as well. But yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I guess what doesn't change is that for every generation, there is a plus, there is a minus. And overall, somehow it just seems to balance out over a period of right. uh, over a period of time, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw, guess I, it does. I but one thing that I particularly wanted to talk about. So as you mentioned hmm. that while you were working at Ogilvy, uh, you were like one of those 5% people who had an MBA. Yeah. But today... Maybe to work at that particular position, MBA has become a prerequisite. So, is it also uh, in terms of the industry requirement or the industry expectations that people opt for an MBA? Because I was just having a conversation a day back, and what mm-hmm. we were discussing is like if you decide a career path to eventually mm-hmm. make a jump into the management, yeah, in the management chain of people, yeah, an MBA is required to level up. So. Has it also become that the industry has set certain expectations and certain uh, conditions that if you want to mm. get to this position, you need an MBA because of which people are now opting for an MBA? Yeah, the, so that so that could be a case. And I will say, okay, at least, okay, I'll, I'll tell you at least from my experience in the industries that I have seen, uh, to some extent, it is true, right? Uh, the MBA has become a shortlisting criteria of sorts. Right. Uh, you they the risk is that they might lose out on a good candidate who doesn't have an MBA, but they don't have the time to sift through thousands and thousands of CVs. So the MBA becomes a shorthand for that. So yes, that could completely be a, that could completely be a thing. As there is more competition, there needs to be some filter. Right. Before it used to be just a degree. Guess what? Now there are lots of people with degrees. Now you need something post that it could be an MBA. Guess what? There are lots of MBAs. Okay, then let's take only the cream of the cream, which is why you may have only the HULs taking from from the top five or six MBA, MBA colleges, right? So I guess as a whole, yes, I think your statement would be true. Specifically to advertising, though, I don't think that's the case because at least I'm thinking back right now, a lot of the C-suites in our agency, the agencies that I work, while they did have MBAs, I don't think the MBA was relevant for them getting to where they were i think it's because they put in the hours in the agency right and they rose up the ranks it's very very rare that you will have somebody who's a completely outside hire coming into head an agency because an agency is a completely different kettle of fish it's right. uh, not like um, I, I mean it's not like swapping industries is anyway easy uh, uh, but a cmo of one industry moving to another industry is still a cmo but in an agency you don't have those traditional Rules the CMOC, yeah, the, those kind of rules. You have a CEO, you have a CCO who's a chief creative officer, and you, you have a CSO, possibly chief strategy officer, right. which are roles that are unique to an agency setup. Um, and and you get there only by putting in the hours inside either one agency or another agency or your own setup or whatever the case may be. So I guess in the world of advertising, the MBA is not as revered. But you are absolutely right when it comes to the client side of things, which is the business side of things or the company side of things. I suppose that is the case. That being said, I think we are on the precipice of uh, with this whole startup revolution that's happening right now. I think we are again on the verge of skills and uh, skills and aptitude taking us precedence to degree and pedigree, if I may put it that way. Right. I think a lot of startups right now, I think they would be happy, even even if they had the money, I think they would be happy to look at somebody who did not even have an MBA or that, even did not have a, a degree. They would be happy to look at somebody who has punk, who has talent, who has vision, etc., etc., uh, and hire them if they 
think that they can get the job done because I, because many of the things that you spoke about chintan which is that it has it become a mandate has it i think to some extent that is true i think a lot of companies will not be able to hire even the best person for that role if they did not meet a particular degree i'll Absolutely. give an example i had yeah i'll give an example i one of the in in my batch the best programmer in my batch could not get a job in a computer in in, in an it firm uh these are cts tcs accenture cognizant etc because he had failed one or two courses and because you know that's the criteria yes, yeah. he was unable to get through right it was a pity because he was without doubt the best programmer of our entire batch and the funny thing was he wasn't even in the computer science batch um but i guess that's a very engineering yeah. college boxer but that's the thing right he would have had a great shot at getting into uh, a startup today he says hey i know i know python i have seen your business i've seen your business this is what i think we can do let's work i don't have a degree but i know my skills uh, give me a test to try things out i will work it works right now maybe if these startups reach a scale where they also can't sift through thousands and thousands of cps they will also need a filter at some point of time so it might just kick in at that point of time uh but i think right now we are seeing a culture of these startups which place a lot less emphasis on pedigree and all that and i think skills aptitude and all that i think are becoming more important i think also this is be- being led by big tech around the world um famously for example um google said that they will hire they are willing to hire people even if they don't have a formal computer science education as long as they finish yeah. some course or something like that. i remember that happening and that sending a few shock waves around uh, uh around higher education in the us last year last year or this year uh and i think you're going to see more of that i think you're going to see more of these vocational when by vocational i mean it i mean it in uh, this professional sense for example a lot of people who are joining startups don't have particular kinds of knowledge that are very important because no institute be it an engineering college or a uh, or an it college or a, a b school teaches them a few particular things that startups these days need if there is an institute on the side and it could be one of these edtechs or one of these alt mbas etc that startup if they were to offer something like that and say no this student has completed this and he knows how to do this etc etc say something very specific in digital marketing plus product management plus ux something a dream combination for a startup basically i think they would stand a great shot no matter where they have done their engineering from or even whether they have done a formal engineering uh, education at all so yes to some extent what you're saying is true for the bigger companies for the at kernies the unilevers the standard charters of the world there is no doubt about that but i think the informal i mean i want to call it the informal formal <laughs> sector which is yeah. all these startups and all that which uh, you know basically whatever any place that allows you to come in shorts and uh, and uh, and work from wherever and all that um i think we are going to see a little bit of a change with respect to uh, okay you need to have done 1 2 3 4 5 things before you can be considered for this only if those 1 2 3 4 5 things make sense will people start doing them and i think you might see a little shift happening in on that front uh, uh on that front now yeah. I, I, that's me being a little hopeful but i do think that the age of practical education is on us in some way okay so just to add to it like firstly yes uh, i guess the current lot of people who are uh, starting their own company who are getting into the whole startup scene i guess they've taken the age old saying if you do not agree yeah. with the rule reach to the top of that particular domain and change the rule they kind of the rules, yeah. taken that thing very seriously and also yeah. i'm glad you mentioned about the second thing because so one of the courses that we provide at our startup it's a training program which is mm-hmm. exactly what you mentioned so what we oh, do okay. is it's a one month meta internship program where you build oh, a company of so it's a meta company which is creative version of an existing company where people enroll and they have to assume a position so we have marketing managers lovely. we have fin- finance people handling finance accounts everything hrs operations everything so what we do is this is basically a program where you come in and you take up responsibilities assume positions which are not really technical mm-hmm. yeah at the end you have a website to show but sure uh, this is something that we are providing as a practical experience to students because i belong to the same lot of people who belong who believe in practical education and somewhere yeah yes having that having 
face certain issues myself and having seen experiences where people have been denied opportunities because right. they did not meet a particular prerequisite or a particular condition yeah i am trying my bit to help students that's uh, lovely that's get amazing that particular uh, experience that okay and the eventual aim is to partner with colleges wherein we get them to make this mandatory for students Mm-hmm. and once we have a base we want to eventually reach out to companies saying that yes this is what we are doing with xyz colleges and we want yeah. you all to consider it as a possible option for hiring yeah. people because then this also yeah. helps them get people working in the same domain and it also helps students gain experience in what they are eventually going to yeah. experience yeah yeah i think that's fascinating i think uh, one hats off i think if you're doing something like that then i think i just i mean you've just justified the point that exactly. i was making right i think yeah. there's so much of this happening around the world um uh, i think everybody everywhere people are like okay uh, uh, enough of this bullshit let's we need stuff to happen very clearly the current way things are happening is not enough i mean it, there was always going to be a tipping point like for how long will the big it firms recruit masses of engineers and then on their own dime spend three months of training them to make them job ready why mm. not just go out and get people who are already ready yeah i mean why not just get 12 standard students to do that uh, i mean if you're going to put them through uh, if you're going to put them through that right mm. um, and it had to give and i'm very glad that it finally is and it's usually during moments of crisis or during a great revolution or something that something like this does happen very happy that you're riding that wave really uh, yes. i think it's fascinating and also the way you're thinking about it like the way you'd framed it i think was very interesting one of the best books that i had read last year and this is <clears throat> completely out of context but you'll see why i'm mentioning it over here it's a book called digital darwinism by uh, uh, again a marketing guy called tom goodwin it's a fabulous book and the way he was thinking about it he was talking about how so many companies now are struggling to adapt to the internet age uh, and this is a book that was written pre covid uh, and okay. it's way more prescient during <laughs> covid so he draws a parallel to a century ago when companies were uh, struggling to adapt to this other new fangled technology that had just come into the market called electricity right? <laughs> so you had a lot of yeah no it was a thing because you had suddenly now uh, one single motor being capable or one machine capable of doing what say 10 people could mm-hmm. and you had what happened was you had a lot of factories at that point of time which was struggling to change over despite knowing that this was a better way of doing things right um, and obviously the companies that started off with that as an advantage were the ones that survived or at least the even the legacy ones that changed over quickly enough both the ones to have survived and the point and the parallel that he draws in the in this day and age in the internet era is assume that your company was starting today right don't assume that your company's problem is how do i use the internet assume that your company is starting today what would you use how would you go about doing things chances are the internet will play a lot more of a role for example take a fashion company take a apparel company typically you'll have your apparel companies who have like hundreds of outlets across the country etc etc for them transitioning over to digital is going to the, the digital age is much more of a headache because now what do you do with all these stores what do you do with all the legacy personnel that you do what do you do with all the legacy it systems that you have been built which have been made for offline retail all those sort of things as opposed to somebody who's starting a new label today they will look at unit economics and say yeah it makes absolutely more sense for us to sell online right and absolutely. have absolutely low overheads from the word go etc etc so that's the sort of challenge that he poses like if your company were to start today right what would the business model be like how would you use the internet today vis-a-vis doing this transition sort of thing right. and i think the way you had phrased that question itself you know i think uh, was kind of interesting and i think those are kind of practical questions that more business leaders have to think about because let's face it technology right now is just changing things at a rapid rapid uh, at such a rapid pace there's right. no way of telling what the internet or business 5 years from now is going to look like it's exciting yet terrifying at the same time the skills that are needed are going to be completely uh are going to be completely different so yeah um i just wanted to give that as an aside i don't know if it added on to your point but no it absolutely it added because now i guess i'll have to read the book because something that we do is <laughs> yeah. on a similar line because the objective or the problem statement that we give them is 
So for example, yeah. if you've taken up a company such as Zomato, we tell them that, okay, whatever Zomato has done till date, forget it. Just yeah. think of it as you are starting Zomato today. How yeah. are you going to build your version of yeah. Zomato? Yeah. And we yeah. kind of have built it in such a way where we have a meta CEO, we have meta managers from MBA colleges, and then the mm-hmm. students are from undergraduates, undergraduation or 12 staff. Nice. So basically, we're giving them a feel of corporate culture. At the same time, we're yeah. giving them practical experience while yeah. creating that entire environment for them. Yeah. So I guess I should really read the book soon. You'll enjoy that'll it. I think you'll absolutely enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, that'll help me build on the particular idea that we have. Yeah. yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. I didn't even realize you were already one hour into the conversation. But I'm sorry to abruptly stop you here. This is where the first part of the conversation ends. This is where our conversation of why should a person opt for an MBA ends. Stay tuned for the next part where we'll be discussing about the ideal career trajectories for students. The next episode is releasing soon, so you won't have to wait for long. I'll see you in the second half of this conversation with Chuck with many more stories and many more insights. Thank you.